Thanks for tuning in to Over the Road Bible, a podcast from TFC Global. I'm your host, John Coupel, and I'm TFC Global's Denver area chaplain. Over the past few years, I've been a pastor, overseas missionary, and chaplain, and I love to learn and teach the Bible. When I learned about the challenges that truckers and professional drivers face here in America, like loneliness, isolation, addictions, and everything else that's rampant in the industry, I decided to become a chaplain with TFC Global to make an impact in people's lives. This podcast is for anyone who wants to listen, but I'm making it with professional drivers in mind. In our time together each week, we'll read and study the Bible in a short form that can be listened to on the road or on a break at a truck stop. I'll also do my best to let you know about resources to help you get plugged in to Christian community on the road. If this podcast is a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with others so that it can be a blessing for them too. Welcome back to our study through the Gospel of John. We've covered a lot of ground at this point, and we left off last time halfway through John chapter 5. We saw the third sign in John's Gospel, the healing at the Pool of Bethsaida, which in Hebrew would translate to House of Mercy, and we talked about that in the last episode. We saw that rather than believe in Jesus, the man who Jesus healed went to the Pharisees to rat out Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. We also saw the response of the Pharisees to the message of Jesus. They were seeking to kill him because his signs were showing that he was equal to the Father. What we're going to read today in the second half of chapter 5 is one big chunk of red letters, meaning that this is only Jesus talking, and it's in response to the Pharisees who are thinking of killing Jesus. If you remember the end of the last podcast, we looked at how John is sort of going out of order in this section. We never saw the Pharisees say anything to Jesus or ask him any questions, only that they were persecuting him for healing on the Sabbath and making himself equal to the Father. So I don't know if Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in the temple, or if this is taking place at another place on a different day, or maybe John has just compiled a bunch of Jesus's statements throughout his three-year ministry into one teaching because it suited his writing style and the point John wants to get across to his readers that Jesus is the Christ that we would believe in him, and that belief gives us life in him. So with that in mind, let's read this large section about what Jesus has to say regarding his relationship with the Father. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, The Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son, and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. 
He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? If you have questions about the Bible, I want to talk about it. Email me at jonathanc at tfcglobal.org with your name, where you're from, and your concise yet thorough question, and I'd love to talk about it on the podcast. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-C at tfcglobal.org. So the first thing we need to do to understand this section is to answer the question, who is the them from verse 19 that Jesus is talking to when John says, Jesus said to them. And of course, I already told you, but I want to reiterate it, that Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. If we don't keep that in the front of our mind, then we're going to lose the context for this section. 
It's the Pharisees who were seeking to kill uh, Jesus at the end of last week when we look back uh, to verse 18 that they were seeking to kill him all the more. And so he's talking to the Pharisees. And in this situation, I think most of our responses would be to uh, back off of the topic a little bit and try to you know, save our own skin if we had someone trying to kill us uh, for the things that we were saying. Wouldn't it be real easy to just kind of steer away from that and talk about something else? But what Jesus does here is he bravely steers into the topic to make sure that the Pharisees know what is going on because he has the words of life, the words that are going to save their life, That and he has this message that he's not willing to back down from, uh, not out of self-preservation, but out of a, a desire to see even the Pharisees who are seeking to kill him uh, come to salvation. And so, uh, referring to the man that he healed at the pool of Bethsaida on the Sabbath, the events that started this whole confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees, uh, Jesus says to them, you will see greater works than these. Jesus says that he's only doing the things that he's already seen the Father do. And of course, the Pharisees, who are more familiar with the Old Testament than most Jews in Israel, and certainly more familiar with the Old Testament than we are today, they would have on their mind all the miraculous healing done by the prophets like Elijah and Elisha throughout the Old Testament. So they're not confused. They're hearing loud and clear the message that Jesus is saying, that he is the same God of Israel in the Old Testament. He's equal to the Father, and he's the Messiah. And he pushes, pushes this message even further uh, when he goes on. He says that the Father has given him the ability to raise the dead and that the Father has given all the authority for judgment to him so that just as people honor the Father in worship, they would honor the Son. This would have been especially offensive to the Pharisees who bore the authority for religious judgment in Israel. If this was happening in the temple, I picture the Pharisees uh, looking at Jesus in shock as he's basically claiming that all the people who worship God in that place are actually worshiping him. Then in verse 24, he ties together the concepts of judgment and resurrection that he's been talking about by saying that anyone who hears his words and believes in him has eternal life and passes from death into life. Later on in verse 25, Jesus says the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, referring to himself, and anyone who hears will live. Now, Paul, as he's writing letters to the early churches, is going to pick up on uh, this idea, uh, and he's writing to churches spread around the world. He writes to the church in Ephesus, which is uh, part of modern-day Turkey. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once, in which you once walked. And then he goes on to say, And even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. So if you want to look for those verses, you can find them in the first half of Ephesians chapter 2. And then Paul also writes to the church in Rome. He says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that's from the book of Romans chapter 6 verse 11. And a few chapters later in Romans 8 uh, verse 10, he writes, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So what we're reading here in John chapter 5, when Jesus says that the dead uh, hear his words and live, he's saying that to the Pharisees and calling them dead, but offering them life if they would just believe that he is the Messiah.
Next, he goes on to talk about judgment again. He says that a time is coming when all those who are dead will be resurrected for judgment, and those who have done good will be resurrected to life, but those who have done evil will be resurrected to judgment. When John, and this is the same John who wrote this gospel, had been exiled by the religious leaders to the island of Patmos after Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, he had this vision of the end times. He saw a glimpse of what this judgment would look like, and he called it the white throne judgment. And this is what he wrote about it. He said, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. In the next chapter of Revelation, when he's writing about the new creation that God will make after the tribulation period of the end times, he writes... But nothing unclean will ever enter it, speaking of the new creation, or anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So we're getting that contrast, those who are not written in the Lamb's book of life, their destination is the lake of fire, and those who are written in the Lamb's book of life, their destination is to dwell with God in the new creation. And he's talking about this resurrection to judgment that Jesus is referring to back in John 5. And it's based on whether or not a person's name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's Jesus's message to the Pharisees here in John 5. And it seems to me like he's really trying to convince them to reconsider their position before it takes them somewhere they don't want to be. At TFC Global, one of the most common pieces of feedback we get from drivers is the struggles they have at home. Long hours on the road every day, and for OTR drivers, extended periods of time away from home don't always create ideal situations for thriving relationships, especially marriages. Not to mention the challenges faced on the road, like traffic slowing you down and bad drivers creating dangerous situations. Overall, the transport industry is absolutely not an easy job. If you want prayer or have any specific prayer requests, please email me at jonathanc at tfcglobal.org. Let me know your name, where you're from, and how I can pray for you. You can really break down Jesus's message to the Pharisees here into two parts, which is what the ESV has nicely done for us. The first part was about resurrection, judgment, and eternal life, and we just talked about that. The next part is all about testimony. So there was this law in Judaism, which comes from the Torah, that a person giving a testimony, such as in a, uh, in a trial, um, like we would call it a modern-day courtroom, back then it happened in a public square, um, someone giving a testimony in that setting would not be believed in this unless there were two or three uh, corroborating witnesses to their account. 
So Jesus says that he is not just making claims about himself with no one to back them up, but he's going to list his two witnesses so that we can believe his, his testimony. His first witness, he says, it's John, and he's talking about John the Baptist. He says that the Pharisees sent to him, which we saw in earlier chapters, they had heard John's message, and it was true. And he calls John a burning, shining lamp, which makes me think of chapter one of this gospel that we're reading, uh, where John called Jesus the light that went into the world. Uh, so John is like, John the Baptist is like a smaller version of that light uh, that John the gospel writer used to describe Jesus in chapter 1. Then in verse 36, Jesus presents his second witness to the Pharisees, and he says that it's the works that he has been doing and indeed is currently doing. And so for him to reference his works as a testimony of his identity as the Messiah should not be a surprise for us because we've been reading the Gospel of John this whole time keeping in mind that John is writing about the works of Jesus, which he calls signs, and he's using them to provide evidence of his identity as the Messiah. So Jesus says that his works, his signs, to use John's terminology, bear witness about who he is. They are the demonstration of his Messiahship. So having referenced his two uh, witnesses, John the Baptist and his own works, he goes on to say to the, to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think you'll find eternal life in them. But what they would have found if they were really searching was that the Old Testament bears witness about Jesus and they could find life in him if they actually understood what their Bible was really telling him. But Jesus says, yet you refuse to come to me. Finally, the last thing he tells the Pharisees in this long lesson is that they haven't rejected him. They've actually rejected Moses. Now, this would be an incredible insult to the Pharisees who uh, took pride in their own uh, ability to keep the law. But what Jesus says and what I hope I've shown you reasonably well over the course of our study together is that the Torah, uh, which is those first five books of the Bible, they are really about Jesus. They're pointing forward to this future Messiah um, and that all those uh, prophecies are fulfilled in the life of Jesus. So when the Pharisees reject Jesus as the Messiah, they're really rejecting the message from Moses thousands of years before, the message that they pride themselves on keeping and being the teachers of in the nation of Israel. The law was the way that God made, he created it in order to restore the relationship uh, between himself and humanity that was broken by sin. And so Jesus fulfills that law and becomes the means by which our, our relationship with God is restored and we can dwell together with him. Thank you for listening to Over the Road Bible, a teaching podcast from TFC Global. I hope this has been an encouragement and blessing for you. If you'd like to support this podcast and TFC Global Chaplaincy Services in Denver, please follow the PayPal link in the description below to donate. Tune in next week and we'll keep studying through the Gospel of John. Thank you for the work you do on the road. God bless you.